Hey, this is Ryan Tucker, and welcome to the weekly podcast, The Unchangeable Truth. We just sit down with Pastor Stephen as he discusses his sermon from Highland Park Baptist Church, and we are honored and thankful that you've decided to listen. And we ask you to go ahead and, and click that subscribe button, click that like or the follow button. And then again, we are honored and thankful that you've decided to listen. So keep listening as Pastor Stephen discusses his weekly sermon. Welcome back to the Unchangeable Truth Podcast. Today we have a bonus episode. My name is Scott Best, sitting in for Ryan Tucker. We're in the room with Pastor Stephen. And today we are going to look to answer the question, what is the unforgivable sin? Yeah, we're glad to uh, glad to have you here, Scott. And Scott is on, on staff with us here as well at Highland Park. And uh, he, uh, you know, I was telling him before the... Um, the recording today that uh, you know he's going to have some big shoes to fill because Ryan has set the bar so low, uh, <laughs> and uh, hey, we got a new producer here. Um, he is uh, you know Journey. Journey has a day job, so he can't be here all the time, and we're filming this one a little out. So uh, we're glad to have One Direction with us today. <laughs> is it, would it be better One Direction or Twenty One Pilots? I think we go with One Direction. One Direction. For I sure. like One Direction. Yeah. One Direction would work great. But yeah, hey, so today's the bonus episode. Uh, since I wasn't in the pulpit this week, had a good friend, Dr. Kevin Ham, who preached, and Kevin always does a fantastic job. But uh, what is the unforgivable sin? A lot of misconceptions, a lot of uh, confusion out there about the unforgivable sin. I had a guy in uh, the first church that I pastored, great guy, he would... He was always there. He would help us, um, you know, in various things across the church. And I'll never forget that um, I met with him one day, and he was really emotional. And he said that uh, while you know, when he was in World War II, he'd done something he thought was so evil that he he absolutely believed that he had committed the unforgivable sin. And you know, I told him, "Hey, God, God will forgive every sin except the sin of unbelief." And uh, I don't know, it didn't change his mind that day. Now, he never told me exactly what he had done, but he was convinced that he would never be able to go to heaven. And what was so sad is he attended church and he would serve the Lord faithfully. His family was active in the church. His children were uh, very talented singers. But here he is. He's tormented with this belief. He had committed the unpardonable sin and he would never make it to heaven. And... um, you know, for everything I knew about Joe and his life, I, I mean, I, 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 I think, uh, you know, I think he missed out on so much peace and joy mm-hmm. in his life because he had this belief that he had committed a sin that was indeed unforgivable. And I'll have Scott, I'll have folks that'll tell me all the time that they're afraid they've committed the unforgivable sin. And uh, I don't know, maybe even somebody that's listening today would wonder: Have they committed? the unforgivable sin themselves. And I'll just start by saying this before we kind of dig into this. This is exactly what I said to Joe. If if you're concerned that you've committed the unforgivable sin, the fact that you're burdened about it means that you probably have not committed the unforgivable the unforgivable sin. Um, the uh, A great text that talks about the unforgivable sin is over in Matthew chapter 12, Verses uh, 22 is kind of where it picks up, and he's talking there about a house divided cannot stand. And then he comes down to verses 31 and 32, and here's he says, 
I say to you, and this is Jesus talking, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or the age to come. And the Bible is not saying there that if you say, I curse you, Holy Spirit, that you've committed, what, how, do you, how do you blaspheme the Holy Spirit? It means that you have unbelief. So you reject salvation. You reject Jesus Christ. That that is the only sin that will not be forgiven. Now, if, you, if our listeners are sitting there thinking, okay, that means that uh, I did. I said no to Jesus Christ. But then later on, I said yes to Jesus Christ. Does that mean that I've committed the unpardonable sin? And even though I'm saying yes to Christ because I've said no to Christ in the past, then, then, I'm, uh, then I, I'm unpardonable. Well, well no, not at all. Who, who in their mind, or well, who has not said no to Christ? We all have. Very few people ever get saved the first time they hear the gospel of Christ. So it means that You've exhausted all opportunity. You have ultimately said no, and you perish not having a relationship with Jesus Christ, that that is the only sin that cannot be forgiven, the sin of unbelief in Jesus. So, you know, that that passage of Scripture, Matthew 12, uh, you know, there it it, it really starts talking about what Christ can do, because they're saying there that they brought to him a demon-possessed man and I'd say the first thing that Christ can do is he can deliver the most hopeless person. Um, you know, how tragic would it be? Because it says there is every blindness or sickness the result of demonic activity is the question that was asked around the blind and the mute man. And the answer to that is no. Uh, how, how tragic it must have been for this guy living in darkness, unable to talk. His family and friends thought his case was hopeless. But again, no person is beyond hope when Jesus Christ is, is there. Jesus Christ offers hope to even the most tragic and hopeless of, uh, of situations. Um, we also know that Christ came to destroy the works of the devil. So, so in this passage there in Matthew 12, when he performed the miracle of healing the, the blind and the deaf man, the mute guy, uh, the witnesses said, is he the son of David? Which was the title for the Messiah. But the enemies, right, of Christ, the Pharisees, they said, no, no, no. The only way he's able to do this is the power of, of Beelzebub, the power of devil. That's the devil. That's the only way he's able to cast out demons. He's the devil himself. And, um, you know, in Jewish literature, Beelzebub was the chief demon, identified as Lucifer sometimes. The point they were making was this. Yeah, this guy has some power, talking about Jesus. He has some power, but what does he get his power? Not from God, he gets it from Satan. And that was an extremely dangerous accusation. But then Jesus, he uses that to give a short, but I would say a very powerful parable. Um, And... I could see Christ laughing in the face of his accusers when he said, if I'm working for Satan, then it doesn't make any sense for me to repair the damage that he caused to this man. And then he said, if I drive out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Basically saying, if I'm driving out demons by the Spirit of God, then I am the Messiah. I'm I'm, I'm the one that you guys have been longing for. And, um, And then he gets in and he's just... 
he's kind of clarifying these deceptions that the devil brings along. It seems that there's um, a couple of those um, deceptions that you kind of opened up through what we're looking at. Um, this is, I think, three of the four of them um, that you've kind of looked at. And so uh, the first one being, um, you know, Satan is strong, uh, but Jesus is stronger. What, what does that look like right through here, as, as you see? Yeah, in verse 29, Jesus says, uh, how can one enter a strong man's house and take his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then he will take his goods. So, so here's here's we'll put that in modern day lingo, right? Somebody's going to break into my house. Somebody breaks into my house. How are they going to rob me of all my stuff? I'm looking around. I'm thinking I've got some nice TVs, and you know I've got some vintage University of Tennessee memorabilia. Go balls. Very value, valuable things there. And how is this guy going to lug all my stuff out of the house? Well, I'll tell you the only way he's going to be able to do it, uh, they're going to have to bind me. That's right. They're going to have to put a cap in me, or they're going to have to, you know, knock me out. They're going to have to tie me up. I can promise you I'm not going to sit around while they haul my all my stuff out. Mm. So that's what Christ is saying here in verse 29. The only reason I'm able to do this is because I'm stronger than him. I'm stronger than him. It's amazing to me, Scott, that, uh, and, and again, I go back to Carmen. I don't know if you've ever been to a Carmen concert, but. Uh, I'm not. Oh, you missed it. You missed Carmen, <laughs> son. He would sit there and he, he really didn't sing. He would kind of sing talk. Sing talk. Sing talk. But man, okay. he would tell these unbelievable stories that were, they weren't biblical, but they were they were kind of based maybe on some biblical doctrine. and. But it would always be there like, you know, all right, here's Jesus and Satan. They're in a boxing match and, you know, and like, pray for him. Pray for Jesus. Come on, people. Pray that Jesus wins the boxing match. And, you know, it's it's we kind of have this idea. It's in the 12th round. And, you know, oh, my goodness, Jesus's knees are getting real weak and wobbly. And he's got him on the ropes. Satan's got him on the ropes. Come on, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. Right. Bottom of the ninth. Jesus is down. There's two outs. He's up at the plate. It's a full count. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. It's nothing like that. It's a skunk. At all. Mm. It's a skunk. I've been coaching a baseball team, Little League baseball team, for, well, a long time. I have a 14-year-old, so I've coached him every year in baseball ever since he was four years of age. But the last couple of years, our team has been really, really strong. And we would, I mean, it would be it would be almost embarrassing because we were 21 to nothing. There was one game we won 31 to nothing. And, and I was only letting them run one base at a time. Oh, <laughs> No, no stealing bases, no pass balls, and they were just stroking the ball, boom, boom, gapping it, and I'd stop him at first, and then you have to look at the whole. Well, is that kind of bad? Because now the other team knows you're stopping them. Uh, so is that disrespectful? So you should find yourself in a bad situation. So having a world class undefeated team is not always what's cracked up to me. <laughs> but I've been on the other side of that, and that's even worse. But so they they would run rules. Right, they would they would sit there and say, "All right, listen, man, he, you guys are up by this much. No way, they're coming back. Let's go to the house. It's over." That's what Jesus is. That's right. Jesus is. It's it's not even close. Uh, we've got to stop robbing God of glory by attributing attributes to Satan that only belong to God. Mm, that's that's good. Um, and so, you know, well, the abundant life passage, right? Over in John, 
the thief. Who's the thief? That's Satan. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to give you life, but we're not even just talking about life. I've not come just to give you what he's trying to steal from you. I'm giving you even more than that. I'm giving you abundant life. So yes, Satan is strong. Let us not underestimate his power. Um, I think the sons of Sceva in the uh, in the Bible underestimated the power of Jesus or the power of the demons. Right? They cat they called demons out of of uh, of some possessed people. The demons come out, and the demons are like, "Hey, we know who Paul is. We know who Peter is. We know who Jesus is. We don't know who you are." And they beat the sons up. And that's why they're known as the black-eyed sons of Sceva, because they all had black eyes. They underestimated the demonic power and ability. Uh, The difference is they didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They were mimicking what they had seen followers of Christ do, and the demons obliged them and put a tail whipping on them. But those that are in Christ, yes, the devil is strong, but someone much stronger came to bind him and to reclaim what was stolen. So I would say this, don't be afraid of Satan. Greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. So that is that. That is what Jesus did clarifying these uh, deceptions of the devil. The first one is, yes, he's strong, but man, I'm telling you, there's one much stronger. And there are times, Scott, there are times that I have to sit there and I'll even, I'll say, I'll speak it out loud. You know, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, There are times that I'll sit there and the devil will be whispering stuff into my ear. And I try not to do it, you know, when I'm walking around the grocery store or something like that. Freaks people out. (laughs) Freaks people out. Um, But there are times that I'll say, um, shut your mouth, Satan. Mm. You liar and father of lies. Let me remind you who I am Mm. and and whose I am. Um, and so again, you don't have to be afraid. Don't diminish. Don't don't sit there and think he's some pushover. Oh no, no, he's powerful. Mm-hmm. But man, he has no power over you because of the great power giver, Christ. That's absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a, a great reminder. Uh, and the second one, I think you know, when we talk about these devil's deceptions and. You know, the especially culture today. I mean, this is you know this staying neutral about Jesus. People want to say that that's possible that you can you can kind of play play in the middle. But you know, as we see right here in verse thirty, and I'll let you kind of go into it after this. But staying neutral about Jesus is impossible. Absolutely, and I'll give you an old. Uh, it is a uh, is a Southport fable. Uh, or uh, how about a Southport proverb? And when I say Southport, if you're not, you know, I know we have a lot of listeners that listen to us up on the northwest uh, coast of uh, the United States, up in the Seattle area. Call out to them. They are our Seattle listeners today are our sponsorless sponsors, <laughs> and uh, we'd like to recognize them. But Southport, right outside of Panama City. It's not incorporated, I don't think. I know we don't have our own mayor. Even though I would like to, I would like, I always think we would, we should have. And I know the perfect mayor of Southport. It would be none other than Carl Ray Fondren III would make <laughs> That's a right. perfect, perfect. I will, I will lead that campaign. <laughs> I will lead that campaign. But uh, a bunch of, bunch of country folks, if you want to say rednecks, you can say rednecks. Uh, I, I am one of them. But a Southport uh, proverb is this. He who straddles the fence rips his pants. <laughs> That's good. That's good. 
You can't stay neutral about Jesus. That's right. It is impossible. Anybody who would say that they're neutral about Jesus, then Jesus would say this, you're against me. Mm. He says it there in verse 30 in Matthew 12. Whoever's not with me is against me, and who, 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 he who does not gather scatters. And folks say, well, that's the most narrow-minded statement Jesus ever made. Well, yeah, the super-tolerant, pluralistic American religious mindset would believe that. Mm-hmm. Sounds intolerant. If you're not with me, you're against me. Uh, doesn't change the fact that it's true. Not one bit. So Jesus is saying you can't straddle the fence. The very fact that you would say, yeah, I'm kind of kind of in the middle on Jesus. Well, no, you're, you're, you're on the opposite end of Jesus to even make the mind or make the statement. I'm, uh, I'm kind of kind of in the middle when it comes to him. I'm neutral when it comes to him. So here's what we mean by that, especially when it comes to the unpardonable sin. Either at this moment you're trusting him or at this moment you're rejecting him. And the only thing you cannot do when it comes to Jesus is ignore him. And, and I would say it's as well. You can uh, you can look at our daily actions. You can look at how we live our lives, how we use our words. That means we're either gathering people toward Jesus or we're scattering people away from Jesus. Uh, there are no neutral actions when it comes to Christ. So I'd say a, a real question for us to ask, and even our listeners to ask themselves, is: Am I am I attracting people to Jesus by my lifestyle and by my language? And if I'm not, then I'm pushing them away. But I can't be neutral when it comes to that. It's always amazing, Scott. You've probably heard this as well. People will say, uh, you know, my faith, that's a, uh, it's kind of a private thing. Mm-hmm. I don't really, you know, want to talk about it a whole yep, lot. Now, now, yeah, politicians will say that. Mm-hmm. Politicians will say that uh, unless they find themselves in a scenario where talking about their faith is going to help them. And then they want to talk about it. But. Uh, and I always find it interesting because there are some that talk about it and you're like, huh, I, don't, I don't know what kind of faith or, or I don't know who their faith is in. But, man, um, they clearly don't know Jesus as Lord, <laughs> Lord sure. and Savior. Right? Yeah. yeah, it's kind of like, you know, what's my favorite book of the Bible? You know, I just like all the testaments. Uh, they're, they're all good. The, uh, but, yeah, it's, it's impossible. It's impossible. It'd be the equivalent of back during the Civil War those who would try to remain neutral. And so uh, there was one guy I heard a story who lived in Kentucky during the Civil War. And so he wanted to not be, you know, kind of middle ground. He wore a dark blue shirt and uh, to, so he could be identified or not be identified with the rebels. Didn't want to, be, want to be identified with the Yankees. So he wore gray trousers. And as a result of it, true story, got shot from both sides. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's tight. Did everything he could to try, though. That's right. That's right. But again, I would say this. It's it's not it's highly unlikely to remain neutral when it comes to Jesus. Yeah. It is an impossibility. For sure. You cannot. Either he is Lord of you or he is not of you. Good. Uh, so then um, number three here um, – and I guess kind of the um, as we get it as we kind of close in here, uh, God forgives every sin except one, um, and you kind of go through a bunch of different different things here. But uh, let's kind of hit on that for a second. Yeah, the blasphemy of the spirit will not be forgiven. Is kind of what we uh, what we started the podcast talking yeah. about today. Kind of like you go back to that guy from. 
the church that I pastored in Mississippi, and he read, there's only one sin that is unforgivable. He, he immediately thought that he had committed that. Yeah. And I, I can't even imagine. I don't know. Maybe he maybe he killed civilians in a war or something. I, I don't I don't really know. But it's it's amazing how people's mind will trend to, well, I don't know what that is, but I know I've done it. I know I've done it. And, of course, that's the lie of the evil one. That fear will often prevent people from accepting God's forgiveness for, for a multitude of forgivable sins. Um, people will ask, so what is the unforgivable sin? Well, I'll, the easiest way is let me tell you what it is not. We know it's not murder. How do we know that? Well, Moses was a murderer. I think Moses is going to be in heaven. Scripture leads us to believe believe that. You get over in Hebrews, it starts talking about people of faith. Um, It's not adultery. I mean, King David committed adultery, and my goodness, there are so many in light of the the time and day that we're living in. I was was listening to a podcast the other day that said that David did not commit adultery with Bathsheba. He actually sexually sexually assaulted Bathsheba. Saw that the other day as well. Yeah, that's probably another podcast for another time. the uh well we know it's not we know it's not adultery because god forgave david of that mm. not divorce remember the story of the woman at the well yeah. she had a lot of divorces As a matter of fact christ said this he's like yeah, you know yeah the dude you're shacking up with right now you're not even married to him yep and she was forgiven i'd say this as well some folks would say the unforgivable sin suicide heard that catholic church says that mm-hmm. you'll not find it in the bible uh, suicide, self-murder, no different from homicide. Both are forgiven. Uh, and then I've had folks that say this, well, a person who commits suicide can't repent of, of that sin because they're dead. So they've, they've committed that sin and they can't get forget. Well, if, if, if you even say that, then clearly that, well, that is an indication you you don't really understand what salvation is anyway. That once you're a Christian, you don't have to confess every single sin that you commit in order to go to heaven. We do confess our sins to say and agree with God uh, about our sins and to kind of stay in fellowship with him. But when you surrender your life to Christ, every past sin that you've ever committed, every future sin you'll ever commit, covered under the blood of Jesus Christ. Um. Well, I, you know, go, going back to the sin of suicide, let's just be honest. Anyone that comes to the point where they're willing to take their own life mentally, they're dealing with a mental disease. Mm-hmm. They are mentally unstable, unstable, uh, that they are not functioning um, with, uh, with all their capabilities. But if suicide was the unpardonable sin, then... Uh, then how would you separate that from murder or, or, or various other things along those lines? Um, but if I told you a hundred sins that weren't the the unforgivable sins, somebody would have one that's not on the list. So uh, I'd say just rejoice that every single sin except blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is forgivable. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, such a great reminder there um, that, you know, that, God forgives everything. You know, we we a lot of times, you know, we like you've said many times to this that we have people that that'll come and say, "I've just I've done this. I've done just too far gone," and you know, we're never too far gone. And so, as we finish, as we kind of close, this last one is just focusing on um, 
on this last sin, but saying no to the Holy Spirit's call to repent and be saved is the only unforgivable sin. So let's focus on that uh, as we finish up. Yeah, before you can ever even be saved, you've got to experience a sense of guilt over your sinful condition. Mm. Jesus said it, John 16, 8, when he, and there he's talking about the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. So that is the role of the Holy Spirit. It's not my job to make somebody feel guilty. That is the job of the Holy Spirit. Um, Scary stories may bring fears and sad stories may bring tears, but only Spirit of God can really bring that true conviction of sin. Well, in order for us to understand what the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is, what does the word blasphemy mean? It literally means to speak against. So blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is when someone speaks against the Holy Spirit. Here's what we would say. They say no to the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. That in that moment, they're speaking against the Holy Spirit. They're saying no. They're saying no. And uh, there are a lot of folks there that have said no to the gospel message over and over and over again, that they've kind of developed calluses on their hearts. And so they've said no so many times that they have hardened their own hearts. And that's a very dangerous condition to be in when the Holy Spirit, well, when they no longer sense the conviction of the Holy Spirit of, of God. Uh, so, um, Billy Graham, and it's not, it's not our Billy Graham at Highland Park, even though a great guy, <laughs> and we do, we have a, a, a great guy named Billy Graham right. at Highland Park, and he is Air Force, and I love to be able to tell people that I am Billy Graham's pastor, <laughs> and that is the God's honest truth, not that Billy Graham. But there's a great book out there, um, Billy Graham has written so many great books, there's one called The Holy Spirit. And he gives the best definition of the unpardonable sin that I've ever, ever read. Here's what he writes. He says, the unpardonable sin involves the total and irrevocable rejection of Jesus Christ. So it is rejecting completely and finally the witness of the Holy Spirit, which declares that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who alone can save us from our sins. No one has committed the unpardonable sin who continues to be under the disturbing, convicting, and drawing power of the Holy Spirit. But when a person has so resisted the Holy Spirit that he strives with him no more, then there is eternal danger. So I'm going to go back to what I said at the beginning. If you sit there and are saying, oh my goodness, have I convinced? Committed the unpardonable sin. I'm worried and I'm concerned that I've committed the unpardonable sin. The very fact that you would be under conviction that you may have committed the unpardonable sin is evidence that you have not committed the unpardonable sin, that the Holy Spirit of God is still striving with you. And I would say the answer to that is I surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. I put my faith and trust in Him. Save me, Jesus. Forgive me of my sin. Come up, come to take residence in my own life. That as long as that worry is there, as long as that conviction is there, that is evidence you have not committed the unpardonable sin. Well, that's good. Well, we uh, appreciate you uh, joining us today on the Unchangeable Truth Podcast. And as we have 
uh, answered the question of what is the unforgivable sin. So uh, we will see you next time. Hey guys, this is Stephen Kyle, and I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today, Unchangeable Truth. Uh, this is a ministry of Highland Park Baptist Church in Panama City, Florida, and we would love for you to visit us if you ever find yourself in the Panama City area. Our address is 2611 Highway 231 North. You can also learn more about our church and its ministry by going to our website, www. Dot Highland and it's H I L A N D Park.org. There you'll learn more about what we believe, what we teach, about the gospel of Jesus Christ. There'll also be a sermon archive there so you can go and listen to various sermons over the last several years. As always, we would love to talk to you about your relationship with Jesus Christ. So feel free, shoot us an email info at highlandpark.org if you'd like to learn more about Jesus and what it means to follow him. Our prayers are that you would draw near to Christ, that this podcast would be used to point you to Jesus and to help your faith grow and your walk increase. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening.